May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Several years ago, um, I was uh, privileged to go with a group of graduate students to Seoul, South Korea, where we were going to um, do this church shadowing with the five of these, uh, several of these uh, churches, five of which are the largest single congregations in the world. The five largest single congregations, uh, both Roman Catholic and Protestant, are located in Seoul, Korea. And so you have these massive churches. Um, and while we were there, we did a, what you would do, a little sightseeing, you know, uh, go down by the army base. And there's um, all sorts of, uh, you know, different shops and restaurants. And um, you can get tailor-made suits and all sorts of things like that. Uh, and while we were there, we decided to go. And uh, as a group, there were about a dozen of us, graduate students and a couple uh, professors. And we were going to go up to the DMZ, the demilitarized zone. This is the... The border, I think it's the 38th parallel, don't hold me to that, but I believe that's where it is, between North and South Korea. The border between North and South Korea is literally like painted on the ground. It's not like um, a, a wall or um, any sort of barricade. You could, it's a little bit of concrete, about six inches. You could easily step over it and walk right from one country into the other. And just before we got up there, we, we got onto this, um, we drove up to the area, it was a big area, and then there was um, this uh, Marine who loaded us onto like a bus, like a, a, you know, a kind of a charter bus, and they took us from the, the place where we entered up to a, uh, another place, not quite to the 38th or 39th parallel, whatever it is, um, but they stopped at this building, about the size of this building, but it was like a movie theater. And so we went in, there's a big screen up there, and uh, this uh, Marine Corps officer came in and says, okay, um, I want to tell you a little history about the DMZ and some things that have happened here and, and what you should expect when you get up close. And he began to tell us about this, and he told us that, in fact, the war is not over. Right now, that it was a ceasefire, and that ceasefire had been in effect since 1953, but there's no armistice. It's actually a war that is ongoing but has just paused for a really long time. <laughs> okay, And so with that in, in mind, he said there are some things that have happened here, and he told us a story about a poplar tree. There was a poplar tree right in the area between the two countries, and apparently had grown to a place where the from the American side, it, it, there was a place where North Korean soldiers could sort of hide and hide out and that they were trying to kidnap people from uh, you know both the US and the United Nations. He said so the US decided that it was going to trim this poplar tree. And this captain whose name was Boniface was dispatched to go with a small group of people down to the tree where they were going to cut it back. And as they got down there a group of North Korean soldiers arrived and there was a skirmish, a fight. And one of the North Korean soldiers picked up an axe, and he actually hit and killed Captain Boniface on that spot. Some shots were fired. Other people were injured, I suppose. And, um, and then it, it ended, and the, the Marine Corps captain showed us on the big screen photos of this event at the exact spot where we were about to go. You understand this, right? 
And then, having shown us all these photos, told us all this bloody history of all the things that had happened at the DMZ, a, a Marine Corps um, corporal or somebody came out with a stack of papers and began handing them out to all of us, along with a pen. And then the, 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 the officer says to us, now sign this indemnity form that says that the United States government cannot be held responsible for your safety, and then we'll take you up there. And so we signed, <laughs> and we got into a bus. And having signed away our security... Um, we got into a bus and drove up, and um, and we were as close to North Koreans as those of you in the back of this church are to me. And so we're looking across at one another. And the rest of us were like, we were like tourists at Disney World, you know. And we've got cameras out and we're snapping pictures, and, and I have them buried somewhere. You can come by and see them sometime. And there we are, taking all these photos, enjoying this. In fact, they even took us into a room just a little bit smaller than this room. And it was the United Nations. And it, it, it straddled the, the border between North and South Korea so that we could walk into the north side of the building and actually stand in North Korean territory. And there was a soldier standing right there by the door, a South Korean soldier this time. And, and somebody told us, he's standing there in front of the door because if any of you actually open that door, there are North Korean soldiers on the other side ready to grab you right away. If that door opens, who's ever opening that door is going to North Korea. And so he's standing there to guard you. Now, if you think that I went on this trip because I'm brave, you're wrong, right? I don't even watch scary movies. My fear of squirrels is legendary. You know, um, I, I am not brave. I just believed that even though this Marine told me he wouldn't guarantee my safety. I knew deep down he was willing to die in order to save my life. It was that security that helped me to get on that bus and drive. Not, not, not the sense that anything else, you know, uh, not that I was brave and, and ready to do it. No, I knew that he would do whatever it took to save my life. And not just this one alone, but there are, a, you know, a whole a whole battalion of soldiers up there. But I thought, wouldn't it be nice if we lived in a world where we didn't have to sign indemnity forms, <laughs> where you didn't have to worry about whether or not you would be in danger from soldiers? I mean, what would it be like if, if Koreans could go to sleep and not worry about a madman a few miles north who had control of nuclear weapons? I mean, what would it be like if people all over the world could just get on airplanes without worrying about whether or not somebody's on there with a bomb? What would it be like if, if we didn't have to lock our doors or, or you know, worry about the, the fear of what other people might do? And that's sort of the world that Isaiah the prophet sees coming. I know it sort of slips by us. It's an ancient text. We bring in this, this room this morning all the sort of things that are going on in our world, things about all of a sudden Thanksgiving is behind us and Christmas is in front of us and, and we've got all this to do and there are travel plans and there are meals to be made and there are gifts to be bought and all that sort of stuff. And so an ancient writing from a man who lived 700 years before Jesus can sort of get by pretty easily. 
But Isaiah has this message, and the message is this. There's going to come a time when peace is going to rule, where there's going to be this widespread religious revival, where people are going to turn all over the world to God. All over, from every nation, they're going to look to Israel's God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're going to be obsessed with Israel's God. They're going to come from all over, from, from Russia and from, from China and from India and from the West and from Europe and, and, and everywhere. They're going to flow from every nation into the city of Jerusalem. And there they're going to worship Israel's God. And it's going to be a fantastic world. Listen again uh, with fresh ears to Isaiah the prophet. A time shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion, the, the, Isaiah says, the law, the Torah will go forth and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. It's a really powerful image, an image of, of worldwide revival with people coming to, to, to Israel's God looking for help and for salvation. Now remember, when he writes this, as it is to this day, Israel is a tiny little nation. Very small. And not nearly as powerful as it is today. It is, it is just so very small. And at this time, there's about to be a, a civil war and a division. Israel is going to get even smaller. And they live in a very tough neighborhood. It's still a tough neighborhood, right? And at the time Isaiah writes that there's a nation called Assyria to the north. And Assyria is about to invade the northern part of Israel and take many of the people captive. Only one tribe of Israel is really going to be left. And it's a brutal empire, Assyria. It's like a schoolyard bully, too. They charge little nations money not to invade them. It's sort of like, you know, guys used to do to me on the playground, you know. Give me your lunch money and I won't beat you up. Um, and I did. <laughs> you know, you don't want this to happen. And so Israel, give us your money. And, and they, they do. They pay it up. Until they don't. In the northern part decides they're going to make an alliance with a few other nations. They don't pay Assyria. And Assyria looks at them and says something like, oh, is that precious? And they come in and they just flat destroy the northern part of Israel. Leaving only the little southern part where Isaiah lives. And he is saying... There's going to be this widespread religious revival. And peace is coming to the world. And nations are going to flow into to Jerusalem to worship our God. And I think the people around him would say, are you mad? Are you absolutely crazy? Do you read the newspapers, Isaiah? Look around. This is not going to happen. In fact, it's actually going to be more than that, isn't it? They're going to beat their swords into plowshares. And no more will they make war with one another. It's unthinkable. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he shall judge between the nations, decide the pursuit between many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Instead of warriors, they're going to turn into farmers and plant husbandry, work on their fruit trees. This is what the world's going to be like. 
And I imagine people said, you are insane. Isaiah, you are mad. You are crazy. This is not going to happen. Any fool can look around and say, this is not the way the world is turning. And as ridiculous as it might have been for me to say to the Marine of the DMZ, oh, don't worry. One day, these North Koreans are going to lay down their weapons, and so are you. You're all going to turn them into tractors, and, and it's going to be a great and glorious day. And he probably would have looked at me like I had three heads, wouldn't he? And this is what the prophet says is going to happen. And it didn't happen. After the Assyrians came the Babylonians. After the Babylonians came the Greeks. And then the Ptolemaic dynasty. And then the Syrians. And then the Romans. And nation after nation, war machine after war machine continues to run over top of little old Israel. So the question is, was Isaiah wrong? Was he wrong? Well, let me ask you what the effect of one particular man from southern part of Israel, Jesus of Nazareth, and the effect that this one man, this one Jew had on the world. Think of the lives of billions of people. Billions of people. There are a billion people alive right now who are looking to the God of Israel. And y'all are among them. There are a billion people alive and there are billions who have gone on before whose lives have been changed by Christ. Who laid down weapons of war and took up weapons of, of, of help and goodness and how their lives have been changed. And how these billions of people over the course of the last 2,000 years have flooded into Jerusalem. Every day, thousands of people are going to Jerusalem. Right now, there are people who are going there. Why? Because they want to walk in the steps of the, where Christ walked. They want to go to the place. You know what? Oh, one of the greatest privileges of my life to climb under this altar at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre and stick my hand down through this hole in the, in the, the floor and touch the rock on which Christ was crucified. And there was a line of people behind me to do it. To go into this place and, to, I mean, to go pray where people have prayed. Millions and millions of people have, have flooded into Jerusalem. And their lives have been changed. Exactly like Isaiah predicted. They're going to come to Jerusalem and the law will go forth out of Jerusalem. It is the teaching of Christ. What did he say? Not one jot or tittle from this law will pass away. Right? That he'll keep the entire law and he, he takes it all over the world. To this day, the words of Isaiah are true. And yet, you still open the newspaper, you flip on your television, you get wherever you get your news off your iPad or your computer, you see that there are still nations warring against nations. There are still fights and battles and weapons. Not all have been turned into plowshares, are they? And that's where the gospel picks up as Jesus looks forward. We are at this pivot point of history. On the one hand, we can look back and see all that has happened. And we can look forward into the future and see all that will yet to happen. All that will yet happen. We're just pivot point. And that's Advent. 
Advent is, is looking back and seeing what God has done and looking forward and waiting for Him to come in glory and victory. What Isaiah said would happen has happened. And yet there's still more to come. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.